All right. Well, good morning. Good to be with you this morning. You forgive me for keeping my coat on. It is so cold here at the Caris Center. I'm looking at the screen and seeing lots of people with short sleeves sitting in the warmth of their homes. And uh, believe me, you've got the better deal this morning. It is chilly, seriously chilly. I think what we need is 300 bodies in this room to kind of increase the, uh, the, the general temperature. We've got about six of us here this morning, and that's just not enough. So we need the 300, and that day is coming. Uh, we're looking forward to that very, very much. Anyway, here I am, suffering for Christ at the Caris Center, and uh, it's, it's a privilege, privilege to be able to bring you something from God's Word this morning. Um, we are uh, looking at this series through Ephesians, the sit Walk, Stand series, uh, journeying through Ephesians uh, with the goal of moving towards maturity. Now, this, this whole uh, picture, uh, sit, walk, stand, looking at the, the, the big picture of uh, the book of Ephesians, it's, it's so important that we get it in the right order. And I, I just want to recognize myself the way that I, uh, I often find is that I'm, I'm trying to walk out the Christian life without, first of all, really anchoring myself in the reality of who Christ has said that I am. I'm trying sometimes to stand against the attacks of the evil one, and I find myself feeling vulnerable. I find myself feeling anxious or fearful, and it's because basically I need to recenter myself again back into who Jesus says I am, who he has called me to be, um, drawing my strength, not from within myself, but drawing my strength from him. And so it's this beautiful picture for all of us, this invitation for all of us all the time to be constantly coming back and centering ourselves on the person of Jesus, to kind of sit back into his arms and let him enfold me. Let him enfold you. Let him remind you who he says you are, what he says is true. And then it's from that place that we get to go out and to live in the world around us, to walk out the Christian life, to actively display his goodness and his nature, his kindness to the world around us. It's, it's then that we can stand with confidence against the attacks of the evil one that come against us. So important that we keep coming back again and again to this place of sitting in his presence, knowing his goodness, knowing his kindness, knowing that it is his grace, as Ollie preached a couple of Sundays ago so brilliantly, it's his grace that holds me. It's his grace that holds you. Um, so that is very much my prayer this morning as we go through what I've got to share today. Today we're coming to chapter three. We're still in the sit section of sit, walk, stand. We're coming close to the end of that. Basically the first three chapters of Ephesians is all in this sit section. So we are in chapter three and the, 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 the big picture that I want each of us to kind of grasp hold of this morning is this. I am, or you are, in Christ, if you're a disciple of his, if you're a believer. I am in Christ. Nothing disqualifies me. Just let that sink in for a second. I am in Christ. Nothing disqualifies me. Absolutely nothing disqualifies you, 
disqualifies me from what Christ has said that we are, that you are, that I am. Let me just push that a little bit further. I want to invite the, the five or six folks that are in the room here with me this morning to make this declaration. I'm going to say it. I want you guys to say it to your um, computer screens or your iPads or whatever it is you are speaking to this morning. I want you to let these words come out of your mouth. The words are very simple. It says, I am perfectly qualified to be all that Christ has called me to be. And that's quite easy, okay? So here we go, people in the room. I am perfectly qualified. <laughs> Didn't quite get that. They're, they're a bit slow in the room here. Okay, so it's repeat after me. I am perfectly qualified. To be all that Christ has called me to be. Now, I hope you were responding along at home. And as you were saying those words, were you listening to your heart? Because sometimes when we, when we force ourselves to say these things, when we force ourselves, as it were, to, to confess these truths that Scripture leads us to, it's in those moments that we hear the voice of the enemy in our ear. So when you say those things, you know, I am perfectly qualified to be all that Christ has called me to be, is there peace in your heart? Or is there actually that little voice that little niggling voice of accusation that says, no, you're not. No, you're not. Who are you trying to fool? You're not perfectly qualified. This disqualifies you, and that disqualifies you, and this other thing disqualifies you. And for so many of us, we can live with the, the acknowledgement that God's word says one thing about us, but in reality, our hearts are saying something else that is contrary to that. And we live in this tension, therefore, and we do not, therefore, live with the strength or the clarity, the spiritual clarity that Jesus wants us to walk in. So this is today's focus. We're going to come back to that same declaration just a little bit later on, and we'll see how our hearts are doing by that stage. So we're in chapter 3 of Ephesians, and what we've got here is one very astonished Apostle Paul. He is writing this letter. Um, don't forget, he's not doing it on a computer. He's not, it's, there's no technology involved here. He, once he starts a sentence, he has to just keep going. And what we see at the start of Ephesians chapter 3 is Paul starts a train of thought, and then he gets so amazed at what he has just said that he goes off on a complete tangent. And the verses I was asked to speak on today is verses 1 to 13. Basically, verse 1 is the start of a thought. Verses 2 to 13 is a complete aside. And then in verse 14, he comes back to that same thought again. So you can imagine the Apostle Paul writing this with his quill and ink or whatever it was he used. And he says, when I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, and then in that moment, it is as if he kind of goes, hang on a minute. Do, do you understand what, what, what you have? Do you understand what Jesus has done for you, Gentile Ephesians? Let me just tell you about it. And for the next 12 verses, he just goes off into this glorious aside. And he's, he's just revisiting some of the stuff 
that, uh, that he was writing in chapter 2, some of the stuff that Al spoke to us about last week. And then he comes back again in verse 14 with almost exactly the same phrase. He says, well, when I think of all this, I bow my knees and I pray. And when we see something like that in Scripture, it's important that we don't just go, oh, when I think of all this, I pull, blah, 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 and just keep going. What is the all this that Paul is referring to? Because if we don't get what that is, we're not going to get what the next bit is actually talking about. So what we need to do is go back and look at the all this that Paul has just spoken about. The all this is actually back in Ephesians 2 verse 14. This is kind of the verse that summarizes what it is that just distracts Paul in that moment and mesmerizes him and causes him to stop his train of thought and jump onto something else. Chapter 2, verse 14 says this, For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separates us. Paul is astonished by this. Paul is awestruck by the the glorious destruction of hostility that the cross of Jesus Christ has won. Because Paul is, is writing to a Gentile audience in Ephesus, and Paul, the Jew of all Jews, the Pharisee of Pharisees, with his life steeped in Judaism, recognizes that actually he's speaking into something that was the most significant social barrier of his day. There was Jew and there was Gentile and never the twain would meet. Last week, if you remember, Al showed that picture of the stone with the inscription from the temple in Jerusalem that basically said to all Gentiles, if you go past this, your blood is on your own head because we will kill you. And so, Paul is writing into that context, and he says, for this reason, I, Paul, a minister to the Gentiles. And he goes, I'm a minister to the Gentiles. I, I, I used to have a sword in my hand coming against the Gentiles. Now I have the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm bringing it with love in my heart. What has Christ done? Look what he's done. Look how astonishing this is. And he, he just explodes into praise. And he explodes into this exploration of the wonders of Jesus Christ. And there's just something there we also need to get hold of. Because Paul himself would have been very aware that his history would have disqualified him from reaching the Gentiles. His readers would have understood very clearly that actually the voice in their heads, if they made the declaration that we just made, remember, if, if the Ephesians had said, I am perfectly qualified to be all that Christ has called me to be, what would they have heard in their heads? They would have heard, no, you're a Gentile. You're a Gentile. You're useless. You're a sinner. You're awful. And it's that script that the glorious gospel comes hard against. So Paul would have been really aware that his history as a Gentile hater, as the one who persecuted and killed Christian Gentiles, is now the one who has been called by God to go to them and to show them love. His reputation would have disqualified him. His education would have disqualified him. Paul was a perfect example of the Jew. A perfect example At age six, little Jewish boys would have gone to learn 
to read and to memorize the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament. They literally would have memorized it over a period of about four years, all five of the first books of the Old Testament. Then the good ones amongst them would have gone on to the next stage, which was, which was to memorize the entire Old Testament law and prophets. And by the age of 14, the real cream of the crop would then have been discipled or apprenticed by a top rabbi. Gamaliel, the New Testament tells us, was the one who took on the apostle Paul. And so Paul, everything about him screamed, you are disqualified to reach the Gentiles. You are the antithesis of any, anything and anyone who could ever do that. But Paul knew something because Jesus Christ has broken down the wall of hostility. He is now perfectly qualified to do all that Jesus has called him to do. You see, the momentum of heaven as we see in the New Testament, the momentum of heaven is to destroy all the dividing walls, all of the things, all of the labels that we may put on ourselves that say, you're not good enough, you are not qualified enough, you are unable to do this thing that God has called you to do. Everything of the, of the revelation of the New Testament, everything of the revelation of the person of Jesus Christ says, whatever you used to allow to disqualify you has been done away with completely and forever. Forever. Just looking at one or two other places, this is perhaps the most obvious one. Again, speaking into huge social barriers and dividing walls of the day. Paul says there is no longer Jew or Gentile, as we've just seen. There is no longer slave and free. There is no longer male and female. All of those labels that used to divide society completely have been done away with because you all are one in Christ Jesus. The only label that matters for you, for me, for any one of us today is, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? If you're in Christ then that's it. We are equal. We are loved. We are commissioned. We are called. We are, we are perfectly equipped, perfectly positioned to fulfill any command, any instruction that our Lord would give to us. We are not disqualified. You are not disqualified today. Please hear that. A little bit later, and we'll come to this in a few weeks, in Ephesians chapter 5, Paul is expanding this whole thought and he says in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 21 and forward, he, he addresses again these three categories. These were primary categories of the day that delineated society from those who had qualification and those who did not have qualification. And he says, husbands and wives, parents and children, slaves and masters, previously up to that point separated. We had the husbands who were qualified, the wives who were unqualified, the parents who were qualified, the children who were unqualified, the, the slaves who were unqualified, and the masters who were qualified. And what he is saying in these verses, verse 21 of chapter 5, prefaces this whole section. And he says, primarily, the one thing is this. You are to submit to one another 
out of reverence for Christ. What this means is that from that point, from this moment of revelation forward, the husband is to look at the wife and not say, I have authority, you have none. But to look at the wife and say, Christ is in you. Therefore, we submit to one another. It's mutuality. Parents are to look at their children and not say, I'm the parent, therefore I have all authority and you have none. But look at the child, see Christ in the child and say, how can I come alongside you? How can I serve you? How can I bless you? How can I bring life into you? Slaves and masters, similarly, the slaves are instructed to look to their masters and not see them as harsh, overbearing, and frightening, but to look at the masters and say, Christ is in you. And because Christ is in you, I will serve you with my whole heart. The masters are to look at their slaves and say, because Christ is in you, I will love you, I will care for you, I will not be harsh against you, I will not require more of you than is reasonable. There is this massive cataclysmic shift in society. We still see much need for these shifts in today's world. One of the most important things I genuinely believe to have come out of this horrible last year is the, the, the whole campaign about racial inequality um, through the Black Lives Matter campaign of 2020. We've got to get some of these truths deep into ourselves and recognize that when we look at someone, we do not see the color of their skin. We do not see their gender. We do not see their social status. We do not see their generation or any other factor. When we look at someone who is our brother and sister in Christ, we look at them, we go, Christ is in you. Therefore, I will love you. I will love you. I will love you. And it's why when we gather, it's, it's one of the reasons it's so important that we gather, that we get together, that we worship together. Because when we do, and I get a great vantage point of this when, we, when we're gathered in this place, I look out across this room as people worship and I see every color, every nation. I see young, I see old, I see uh, influential, I see uninfluential children, elderly. I see the whole thing. And it is a beautiful declaration of what the kingdom of God has won. And for the last 10 months, we haven't been able to express that. And it's wrong. And, and it, is, it is to be restored. And it is going to be restored. We don't just gather because it's what we do. We gather because it is a proclamation, a declaration in and of itself that we are the one new person in Jesus Christ without any barrier or hostility or dividing line whatsoever. And so we get to chapter three of Ephesians. And here in the midst of this chapter where, where Paul starts his aside, the focal point of his aside here in verses seven and eight, and these are the verses that you will spend a little bit of time talking about in your groups very shortly. Paul gets to these two verses and he says, I can imagine with tears in his eyes, he says, by God's grace and by his mighty power, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. It is by God's grace and it is because I am in Christ. 
It is all by his grace. It's not that I earned a qualification. He is my qualification. And now I, the apostle Paul, get to stand before you who are in Christ and I am in Christ and I simply get to appeal to you to lay hold of all the treasures that are yours in him. Back to where we started. I am in Christ. Nothing disqualifies me. We've spoken about history. We've spoken about reputation. We've spoken about education. We've spoken about gender. We've spoken about race. We've spoken about age. We've spoken about social standing. The list goes on. Whatever you might think disqualifies you, this one thing unquestionably qualifies you in Christ. In Christ, you're qualified. So I want, to, I want us to try this again. I want us to try this proclamation to ourselves one more time, okay? So after me, people in the room, here we go. I am perfectly qualified, I am perfectly qualified. to be all that Christ has called me to be. Let's do it one more time. I am perfectly qualified, am perfectly qualified. To, be to be all that Christ has called me to be. Now, check your heart. Is there peace with that statement? Or do you still sense that little niggle that says, uh, no, no, you're not. Well, folks, I just want to say, walking out our identity is a walk. It's a journey, and it's really normal. I tell you what, this last week, I've had that voice in my ear. You're not qualified. You're not. Who, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Are you going to stand up there on Sunday? Who do you think you are? I hear that voice. If you hear that voice, you're very normal. You, it's a good sign that you have a heartbeat. And I just want to encourage each and every one of us, if you recognize that that is a struggle, that you continually feel disqualified, then do something about it. Talk to someone. Get some prayer. I want to recommend that you use this email address, hello at ccbs.org.uk. Drop an email. This comes straight into the church office. You don't need to give any detail. Just say, would you please set me up with some prayer ministry? And we have an incredible team who would love to spend a bit of time with you to help you lay hold of this truth that you are qualified. Because what I long for for us as a community as we emerge from lockdown is that we step out of lockdown with the absolute confidence that he has not just called us, but he has qualified us to bring his gospel, his glory, his kingdom into every sphere of our lives.